Welcome to another episode of Fortitude and Truth. My name is Andrew, your beloved host. I'm here with my brother Nathan. As you can tell, I so deeply adore doing these openings. I also don't think he's ever not going to call me Nate, but it's okay. We'll we'll forgive him. Yeah, I I I keep doing. When we do the official opening, I want to go official. I almost I should just go with Nathaniel. So that is acceptable. <laughs> I, I don't intend. I, I I deeply do not intend to, to call him a name. He prefers not to be called. It just happens all of the time, and I don't catch myself till afterward. <laughs> but anyway. In this episode today, we're going to be talking about our continuing, I should say, our conversation um, concerning the progression of the Christian journey. This will be considered officially part two of this of this conversation, of this series. Um, and there's several segments we're going to go through today, really referring to or with the implications on the individual's walk with God. We talked last week a lot, or last episode rather, a lot about... Um, the responsibility and duties we have to each other. And now we're going to kind of shift focus and talk more of the individual responsibilities we have on our own as individuals. Um, we'll be talking about the idea of evangelism um, and stemming from that, how do we know what to teach when we talk about making disciples? Right? How do we know what to teach these disciples? A disciple means student. Well, what does it mean to teach them? Like, what, what do we teach them? And lastly, we're going to cover today the importance of personal Bible studies um, as well within that, the guidance on how to select a good devotional or study guide. But before we get into that, today's focus verse is 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 15. And in that scripture, the Bible says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which, you were, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Now, as we transition and I'll maybe hand it over to my brother Nate here, talking about evangelism. Nate, why don't you start us off today talking about evangelism, focusing on the individual's responsibility there. Absolutely. I think, and this is kind of an interesting segue because the verse Andrew just read is all about, it's kind of, the Peter, First Peter says, uh, be holy because I am holy. And that's from the Old Testament as well. And so... We often think of holiness as, you know, doing the right thing, obeying the law, all these different things. And those are all, all good to to a point. But we also have to remember that although we should want to obey the law, we should want to do the will of God, which is not sin, and abstain from sin. Part of also what our call is, is it's more than that, right? Christianity is not a morality, in and of itself. It, I would say Christians are moral and should be moral, but Christianity is not just a system of morality. And we can see this because if we look at... Christ didn't give too many commands, at least not explicitly. I mean, he said a lot of things and taught a lot of things, and all of them are very good, but he left us with one final command, which is probably, arguably, the most important, and he phrases it in a way in which... There's emphasis in, in certain points, and it's that's where we miss the mark so often as Christians. That's where we want to really reset and kind of hone in on that, because that should be the foundation of your Christian walk. 
right? It's not just, I mean, that's why we, we actually, we covered the church first and your responsibility to the church body first, because we believe that that really is ultimately more important in some sense than your own personal walk. Like you should have your own personal walk and you should have a corporate walk. But this idea of doing life together in the church and also, um, as Matthew says, or Jesus says in Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, that that's, that's the thrust, right? It's not, I get to keep this to myself. I can just isolate myself in my own little box and just do whatever I want. So they, if, to give you the exact verse, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. So the first thing, and if you're not a Greek scholar, it's okay. Because a lot of people like to say, oh, the first thing is go. The first thing is, is go. Technically, the verb go is not the first thing in the sentence. The Greek lends itself to really the, the main point of the sentence is make disciples. Right? That's the disciple making is the emphasis, is the main verb of this passage. So that should be the thrust of your Christian walk is how do we make disciples of all nations? You learned about Christ from somewhere, so share it. And it's, as we reflect on this, I think too, I've talked to enough people that most people, when they get saved, we have this idea of, oh, well, I don't know all that much, but they don't seem to care because the amount of zeal and the amount of passion that's there they want to tell everybody. They may know very, very little, but they want to tell everybody. And then those of us who have been around the block, so to speak, aren't as zealous sometimes. We we know all that. We don't know all there is to know. We know a lot more. We've experienced a lot more. We've studied scripture a lot more. And yet, we don't have that zeal and that passion to share, which is really interesting. I don't know if there's a reason for that. It's just really interesting to me that that happens. And I I would all I would submit that most if not everybody is guilty of this at least in some point in their Christian walk where they they get to the point where like I know all this stuff but then I just want to just kind of, you know, kind of coast, kind of do whatever, you know, no big deal. And I I just find it fascinating that the more it seems the more we know, the less we care. And the, the less we know, the more we care. I don't know how that works. But in any case, in any case, I would really encourage even those of you who are mature Christians or on that mature walk. And if you're not sharing the gospel and you're a Christian, I use the term mature, maybe a little bit looser. But again, maybe that's where your gap is. But I would urge you that that's pray for that zeal, pray for that passion, because sharing the gospel, making disciples of all nations. It, Come is it's evangelism, but it's also it's more than that, right? Discipleship is is not just go, it's it's go. But so you preach the gospel to people, but you don't just preach the gospel to people because once they come to church, then you still have to kind of come alongside them, right? It's a very cyclical cyclical process, and so I I really think that. I mean, obviously, we were not created. We talked about this last time. We were not created to do life together, to do life alone, but to do it together. And this is part of it. Isn't it life easier when we have more people doing it together? 
I would say so. Especially for maybe that's a human way to put it, but that I think a very interesting way to put it. And it's also interesting too is we talk about the first century churches, they had all this persecution and all this these threats of and maybe that's why we're so comfortable not sharing the gospel is we talked in our Christmas episode, which I believe airs before this one, about it the does. imminence of Christ's return and how the early apostles really felt that like it could be any day and we don't treat it that way. And maybe that's why we don't share right away. I was just about to say, I think that has a lot to do with the misunderstanding mm-hmm. of the imminence of God. Uh, God that the early church and the apostles had was they understood his return to be imminent um, and they lived that way. I think that, that might have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And we see that example in, in the early church. If you look at really the book of Acts as a whole, and I'll just give you one verse, but if you look at the book of Acts as a whole, that's a testimony, right? The disciples just didn't shelter themselves in the upper room. I mean, they did. And then the Holy Spirit came, and then they went. And they went to the ends of the earth, right? Look where Paul went. Paul traveled all over the place. Look where Peter went. Look where John ended up on the Isle of Patmos. So it's it's not this idea that we just get to keep things to ourselves. Look at even just in the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, the amount of people that were reached because all they did was preach the gospel and they didn't have to go that far. But Acts 6 chapter 7 as an example says, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests had become obedient to the faith. And that's just in Jerusalem. That's right after the day of Pentecost, after Peter's sermon and it just ex- it exploded, and it should continue to explode. There's a great number of preachers, a great number of teachers who are all over YouTube, and it's great to hear them, but we shouldn't just lean on that. If I walk to everybody on the street corner and say, hey, go watch this guy, hey, go watch this guy, and I don't really actually share the gospel myself, what good am I? Right? And sometimes people lean on this Ephesians, Ephesians 5, um, the fivefold ministry gifts, and so he he gave some to be evangelists. Well, he did, but those are like to 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 give you an easy implication. Those are like super evangelists or like teaching evangelists. Like their forte is evangelism. They're really good at sharing the gospel and going out and talking to people. Some type A personality people, right? But they can teach. Those people were given that gift so they can teach others to be better at evangelism to encourage you to be evangelist because I mean, Christ said it, it's not, even though he's talking to his disciples when he's leaving, his command is to all of us because we're his disciples, right? We're not the 12 who became apostles, but we are disciples. And so this call is just as much for us as it is for, for them. And I think we miss that. They're like, we just need to be evangelists, go and declare the gospel. So you just got saved you're finding a good church, tell your friends, tell your family, tell them you just got saved. Hey, I just met this this Jesus guy and he turned my life around, right? I I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead. Now I'm alive. That's a good point. And it's, you know, it's, and not everybody's going to be saved and that's the sad reality of things. But if you don't say anything to them at all, then they definitely won't be saved. Give them the ch- self fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> give give them the chance, and that's I, I think that's the biggest thing. And you've, yes, we talk about that's our personal walk, but 
that again is it's tied to everybody else, right? I don't just get to keep it to myself. I yeah. need to share it with others. I'm commanded to share it with others. Yes. And really, yeah. as we are, we talk about being conformed to the likeness of Christ, right? What would Christ do? What was Christ's heart towards sinners? To share himself with sinners. So that's a profound thought. Right? So if we're becoming more like Christ as we as we continue our journeys, we should continue to want to share the gospel more. I know, profoundness. <laughs> but there's a, there's another piece to this. If we went back to Matthew, that so you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. But the other the caveat is so after we baptize, right? You get you get saved, you get baptized. The new people get saved, you get baptized, and this is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Well, the first thing is to be able to teach somebody everything that Christ has commanded. You have to kind of know what Christ has commanded, right? You have to know, and you may not know everything, right? But there's obviously scripture gives us clues. So, that, and that's where Andrew's going to take us next is this idea of not just teaching others to obey what he's commanded, but ourselves, how do we teach ourselves and how do we learn ourselves and how do we try and plumb the depths of God in our own lives to help us grow, not just for ourselves more like Christ, but for the whole, the body of Christ. Yes. Thank you. Dad. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, and one, uh, one of the as we kind of dive into this, one thing that, that Nate mentioned that was great. And I just want to highlight it again is when you talk about evangelism, evangelism is not just inviting someone to church. Don't get me wrong. That's a great thing. That is a very good thing. And you should be doing that. But evangelism is you sharing, you know, that, that, that whether that person knows you really well or not that well, you are the one in front of them sharing the word of God with them, sharing the truth or the gospel, the good news, right? You don't have to do it perfectly. And then you could, of course, follow up with, with an invitation to church. That's a great thing. But don't confuse inviting someone to church with, oh, I did my work of evangelism today. That's not evangelism. That's a very good thing, but it's not evangelism. So again, as, as Nate was outlining, well, making a disciple, right? We're called to go make disciples. A disciple is another word for student. Right? That's another way you can understand it. It's another word for students. So that means that we would be the teacher, quote-unquote, lowercase t, obviously, underneath the authority of Jesus, the perfect teacher. So what what are we to teach them? Um, we are only able to properly evangelize if we study regularly God's word and are prepped with what to teach the new disciple. Right. That's, that's this, this, the essence of what we're going to be kind of talking about now is, well, we need to be prepped, right? You know, you talk about any teacher will tell you that they have lesson plans, they have curriculum, they have, you know, multiple methodologies and how to outline stuff. All of that comes from God's word for us. That's the perfect platform, if you will, the perfect source rather. In other words, we must be ready in season and out of season, right? As Paul instructs young pastoral uh, mentee Timothy, right? We have to be ready in season and out of season. That, that, that readiness, that that imminent preparedness is something that we should all be ready for. And as someone like, before we actually dive in here, one thing, you know, I learned serving in the Marine Corps is it, it's, it can be rather exhausting, especially if you're not mentally prepared for it, to be in a state of readiness, right? As a Marine, as a Marine or a soldier or whatever, when you're on the wall, as we call it in the service, right? When you're on the wall standing guard, you have to be ready. There's a very good chance nothing will happen, but that doesn't mean that you can't, you have to be ready. Right, so this this is not that's not a perfect analogy by any means. But in the same way, we need to be prepared. 
right? We need to be in a constant state of readiness. That requires discipline, right? That requires day in, day out, regardless of what my emotions tell me, discipline, right? How I might be feeling that day. I might have a hangnail. I might have boo-boo belly. Doesn't matter, you know, that day in, day out discipline, right? So as I just mentioned with this idea of being ready in season and out of season, while this is, again, is in the context of more of a pastoral ministry, given the immediate context. This also ties into the life of all believers, this idea of being ready in this, in this sense. Now, when we look at some examples in Scripture, uh, for one, we see in 1 Peter 3, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. So again, this is the Apostle Peter talking about the way we are to live our life in light and sanctifying this idea. What was the source of that entire the entire passage we just read? Sanctifying Christ as Lord in our hearts, right? So that how do how does one do that? Well, it's a matter of priority. It's it's a matter of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's it's it's, it's a comp- complex, I would argue, situation. I guess you could say, but it requires discipline. It requires meditation upon the word of the Lord. It requires being ready to make a defense for everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, right? Making a defense, that's another word for apologetics, right? That's an early, that's an early statement of apologetics right there. We want to give a defense. Well, people notice this hope in you, right? From being that the Lord is sanctified in your hearts. It requires you to know the word of the Lord. It requires you to be ready. Now, we see this idea in being ready requires training. Being ready requires, again, discipline, awareness, self-control, basically the fruit of the Spirit, right? It requires that. Um, and I think the psalmist uh, that God used in Psalm 119 hits it in various points. We're going to look at three individual verses. I promise you we're not going to read all of Psalm 119, but there's three individual verses within Psalm 119 that hit on this idea. We see in Psalm 119, verse 15, the Bible says, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. Further, we see in Psalm 119, verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts, so I will meditate on your wonders. And lastly, for our example here, uh, in verse 78 of Psalm 119, the Bible says, may the arrogant be ashamed, for they subvert me with a lie, but I shall meditate on your precepts. So within the, just the context, and there's many other, um, the, the idea of meditating on the, in the, on the word of God and the law of the Lord, it's highlighted quite a bit throughout Psalm 119. But within these three verses, we see the supremacy of God's precepts or his ways, his knowledge, his word, his, his teaching. Um, and this idea of meditation. Meditation is... Make no mistake, it's biblical. Um, you might see it in other contexts, but it's it's biblical. It's it's God's this idea of calming oneself, focusing oneself, training oneself on a given topic. 
specifically when done correctly. It's meditating. It's, it's dedicating yourself to the word of God, dedicating yourself to God in prayer as well as in, in his word. And seeking, just like I would you know, get to know my brother Nate, and, and seeking to know him, that I would approach the word of God with a deep, deep zeal of wanting to know God. I'd plumb the depths of scripture, wanting to know, because this is, the, in scripture we have God revealing himself. I want to know God. He is my loving father. He is my savior. He is amazing. He's good all the time. You know, all of these great things that, you know, Nate has mentioned that we're going to probably have a series on the attributes of God. But just like you would have of your husband, your wife, your, your family, you want to know them. Think about how much more you should want to know God and meditate and be alone and, and focus diligently on it. And God will reveal himself and you will, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth in very magnificent ways. So we see there, Again, in Psalm 119, this, this idea. So we see first in First Peter about sanctifying Christ in your heart. Right? We roll into Psalm 119 where, granted, this is the Old Testament. So this is way significantly before the Holy Spirit moving Peter in First Peter, um, talking about the, the, the precepts of God and meditating upon them. And then we also see in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, uh, the Apostle Paul talking about this idea of dedicated service. And we see that Scripture says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, this idea of being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that is done by the Holy Spirit. Um, and further, we, we get glimpses and understandings of that as we continue to in, d- plumb the depths of Scripture and study and, and seek to know God, that we, we see that we get to have the opportunity to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, keep in mind, all of those, the, the renewing of your mind is going to take shape of what scripture outlines. It's not going to contradict. What I mean by that is it's not, you're never going to have a thought from God, quote unquote, that contradicts scripture. Okay. It's very sensationalizing now, especially nowadays. We like, you know, we, we have the, these, you know, CGI and all these things that we can really manipulate and appeal to emotions and sense and sensuality, like you know, touch and, and smell and all. We can really do that in a very profound way in our day and age. But it's important to understand that no matter how profound that feeling might be, if it goes against God's word, it's not of God and it's not scripture. It's not something you should be meditating on. It's not something you should be standing firmly on. And I, I take a little more time to pause on that point because you will, whether if you haven't yet, you will be introduced to things that sound and feel like they might be good but are not. Um, so, what are within light of all of this? Now, again, scripture goes in depth in many, many places, like the Pauline epistles, for example. Which, for those of you who don't know, that's okay. Pauline epistles are the the books and and or slash letters, which are really what they were that God used Paul to write to the different churches that he uh, established, and or like the Timothy and Titus, who are young pastors that he pastors pastors. There we go. There's the word that he was mentoring and guiding. Um, they they throughout 
that, as well as um, in, in First Peter, or the you know the letters of Peter, hitting on this idea of meditating upon the word and and knowing the word and showing yourself to be a good workman, right? That needs not to be ashamed. That accurately handles the word of God. But when you see all of that, what are some practical steps that can help you to be in that state of preparedness? Like we talk about the importance of being prepared. Uh, we talk about the importance of meditation on God's word and being with God in prayer and in, in, in study of his word. But now, okay, I know this. How does that even look? Like how would that manifest itself? How does that look? Like what are good steps to take? Now keep in mind, this is not in the sense of legalism, meaning you don't have to do each one of these things or they don't have to look necessarily a certain way. But here are some uh, steps that help be in a state of preparedness, right? Daily Bible reading and devotional time. That I, I would argue and implore you and encourage you to implement that if you haven't already. Uh, another idea would be del- uh, daily dedicated prayer time. Again, you should be doing both of those things. I highly encourage you if you have not been to, to begin the the way God uses those is truly remarkable. If you're married, a devotional or Bible reading with your spouse daily, it can be very helpful. Um, and then lastly, like there's others. I'm, I'm about to ask Nate after I share this. But Bible study like in a small group setting is another phenomenal way. I know we're talking about the individual, but this is another way that you as an individual as well as you're you know, investing in the corporate body, but you're also receiving a lot from those kind of moments. But you notice a theme here. All of them revolve around dedicated time for study and reading of God's word and prayer. This needs to be done both personally and corporately. Now, Nate, before we uh, kind of kick over and segue into the last segment here, do you have any additional thoughts to add, like maybe additional suggestions to be in that state of preparedness? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of thoughts. Um, first, as much as I, I very wholeheartedly agree, you should have a dedicated time of prayer every day. You should open your mornings with prayer. You should close your day with prayer. You should pray before meals. Those are great disciplines to have. But if that is not leading you to a state of basically what Paul would they say, a state of constant prayer, then you're just going through the motions. I mean, Paul says multiple times in multiple places, for lack of a better term, pray without ceasing, right? Pray at all times, pray always. And he's not really kidding, right? Obviously, you can't pray while you're sleeping. But this idea of we like to kind of religiousize prayer. It's not really a word, but I think we know where we're going. Where we make this big showboat of prayer, we like to pray like the Pharisees and, you know, big, bolstered, well-worded, orchestrated prayers. I would say overstructured, but yeah, that I, I, you get the point, yeah. Yeah, and we do that in the morning, we do that at night, we do that before meals. Somebody asks us to pray at a gathering, we tend to just want to be, we want to be wordy, we want to be theological, and we lose kind of being real, and... And that's that loses like a state of prayer. Like I should be able to be at work all day and like something bad happens and, you know, take two seconds, pause and just say, hey, I need you. Like, I need you, God, right now. Like I'm having a terrible day. I don't need to wait till tonight to tell you I need you. I need you right now. And it's okay. Right. Or, you know, something great happens. You say, thank you, Jesus. You know, somebody gives you a you get a Christmas bonus or somebody just says, does something for you unexpectedly. Like you thank them, but you thank God because God's working through that too. So yeah, that, that idea of 
dedicated paradigm is a good is a good base, and that's what all, this is all for. Is it's a good base. No, I, I think that's a phenomenal point. And to, and I I don't want to disagree with you, Andrew, <laughs> but I want to expand on this idea a little bit before we before we move on because I think it's important that because there's this kind of balance that we have to understand that you just got saved. You kind of know the essentials of being saved, right? There aren't that many, right? You know, you know, the human condition is dead without Christ. You know, Christ saves, you know, that God draws people to Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts, like there's some basic tenets. Um, if you want to know what those are, study scripture, they are, they are plain. Um, there's an evangelism class our church just went through, um, put on by Alistair Beck and Truth for Life called Crossing the Barriers. And he talks about the essentials. And so, realistically, the essentials, teaching the essentials, the non-heresy essentials, even if they're the most basic understanding of them, is one, is kind of a requirement for salvation, if that makes sense. But then two, is required of you as a Christian to tell everybody. So this idea of being prepared is we need to be careful with that. Because too often, I think that we being knowledgeable humans want to prepare and oh I'm not prepared oh, I'm not prepared I'm not prepared that's not the call right oh yeah that's fair absolutely a pastor should prepare his sermons absolutely you should have a defense but all on the other side of that right because you're required to work like there's nothing that says that the spirit's just going to do everything in you the, the scripture is very clear on that but on the other side that doesn't mean you're required to do everything either and so, because there's aspects, there's parts in Scripture, and I believe it's in Acts, where we, we see examples of, and I think it, Scripture states it explicitly, that the whole in that hour, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Yeah. And, and that's, again, too, maybe he's bringing to memory something you already studied, right? Or maybe he's going to bring something fresh, maybe. It might be one or both or neither. Or I don't know. But at the same time, there is a both and. So I just want to be careful with the idea of preparedness because I don't want anybody to use that as an excuse to say, hey, I don't need yeah. to go. Yeah. Because if we keep saying, oh, I'm not prepared, I'm not prepared, I just need to study, I just need to study, well, that's great, but then you're never going to go. Yeah. So at a certain point, you need to just go. Yeah. No, I, I think what you see, and this is something that I tend to do, so I appreciate you checking me. I have a tendency to come with assumptions <laughs> that people know what I'm talking about and like, oh, yeah, well, of course you don't. But then no, that's a fair point. Obviously, I, I, I actually fully agree with that. I don't. I meant I kind of assumed that that was being communicated as well. But no, that's a very good point to highlight, too, that it's a, a classic tension that we walk. Right, it's a dichotomy, but it's one that we live in. That's a good thing, right? That we should be constantly preparing. But like Nate just said, that's absolutely correct. That doesn't absolve us if we feel unprepared. That doesn't absolve us from our command to make disciples and to share the essentials. Which, let me tell you, if you're saved, you already know them. Like like Nate said, and I think that's a very good point. Um, and I think you did a good job of hitting on that tension of. Mm -hmm. um, that's good, and I appreciate that. And that's, uh, again, to, to not shameless plugs, right? I, the, I think Alistair talks about one of that as one of, like, the detractors of, of why people don't evangelize. Like, yeah, there's fear. Yeah, there's, you know, persecution. Yeah, there's, you know, oh, people can come to God on their own, and they might sometimes. But God clearly uses humans to do his bidding yeah. throughout human history. I would agree. And so, right, you don't get to, to shirk your duties. It. <laughs> I, for lack of a better term, Paul says it best. Like, you were slaves to sin. Now you are slaves to righteousness. You are slaves to God. Yep. Like, you are not free of your own accord. You don't get to just do what you want. You still have a, 
have a higher calling and we need to be to be mindful of that and then the other thing is obedience right how do you display the the the, the form of love is is obedience right and even to think i don't remember where it's at i'm sure andrew knows where it's at <laughs> where where he says i don't want your i think it's in the old testament i think god just says i don't want your sacrifices i just want you to obey to obey me yeah i could care less about your sacrifices and your burnt offerings just obey me oh so it's he knows where it is it's on the tip of his tongue. I can tell. Yeah, right. but it, but it's that's the the fact, right? And now we don't even have to sacrifice to God because Christ paid that sacrifice for us all. But then the call is just obey me. Yeah. And I mean, people get bent out of shape about that because that seems too legalistic. But realistically, it's the easiest thing to do, right? He gave us His Word, so just fo- read it, study it, follow it. It seems it's yeah. it seems so easy. If only it were that easy. I know. Trust me, I get it. I live in my shoes too. No, no, I, but I, I appreciate that, Nate. That was a, that was a good job of talking to the tension, um, because yeah, there is a very natural tension there, um, and it's tempting as humans, as Nate was just talking about, to become legalistic, where it's like, okay, I have to have X, Y, and Z in place, and not to use another military analogy, but, but this the military at times, when especially when it comes to like spiritual battles, like evangelism, you know, when it comes to realizing the true state of how things are for us on the side of heaven, they're very helpful to kind of use those analogies, those illustrations. One thing you do when you plan for an attack or plan for defense, you anything militarily, tactically or strategically speaking, you come with the understanding that you need to be able to roll with it and make adjustments and adapt. And there comes a point where you have to just act, right? Or there's basic commands, right? Standing commands, if you will, that no matter what happens, you have to incorporate them. Well, Perfectly speaking, we talk about, I mean, perfectly speaking, we talk about the word of God, we talk about God. There is a standing command to go make disciples, to to share the truth. And it, it could be as simple as sharing them about what you learned, right, when you became saved and how you realized it and walk them through those basic passages, quote-unquote basic passages, and then invite them to come to church if you feel like, hey, I'm not qualified to really talk to all their questions, but I know people that are. That's okay too, but that 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 we need to be willingly being used as a slave of Christ, like understanding that we are not our own, and that and I, and I think in a sense too, and tell me if you if you agree with this. But I think in a sense too, if we're not careful, we we can undervalue the work of the Spirit, and we can almost nonchalantly go, yeah, well, in my beautiful preparation, I, I don't need to worry about the Holy Spirit because I just got this. Um, and I think that there's a fine balance of always depending upon the Spirit but also living a life of preparedness. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Nate? I agree. It's, it's, there's always, there has to be a balance. I think that, um, I'm plugging a lot of books today. Jerry Bridges wrote a book called the pursuit of holiness. And in it, he talks about this dichotomy of there's people in the let, let go and let God camp. And then there's the others who are like, beat yourselves into submission. I have to do everything on my own camp. And I would argue, that, and he argues, that neither camp is right. That there's some middle ground on both those issues where God's going to do it and you have to do it. It's like a both and. It, right. It's a, yeah, mind blown. It's a both and. Right? It, God's going to do it. God's going to work in you. But you have to do something too. Um, is it he who does not work does not eat or something? Yeah. Or the man who does not work is lazy That's First Thessalonians 4 talks about the, the man who does not work should not eat. And it talks about um, in Titus, I believe. No, not even Titus. But similar to that idea of if a man does not work, he should not be 
eating. Right. So, I mean, Scripture clearly calls out that we should work, but also clearly, Scripture clearly calls out the work of the Spirit in you. And Paul's wonderful, like, his his personal struggle in Romans 7, where where it's, I do all the things I don't want to do, and that which is good I do not do, but thanks be to God who delivered me from this body of death, and he's the one that works in me and does the good that's in me, and I don't do anything of my own accord. And... So yeah, it's this it's this both and, but he, sacrificing yourself to Christ daily and allowing Him to work, but also, you know, you still have to live your life. You can't just sit. You know, I'm gonna sit and let the Holy Spirit move my body and do everything, and then see how that goes for me. Because that's not how the reality is set up that God has set it. No, and as we transition, because I think that that's. It, I think human beings, we innately struggle with that idea because it takes control completely away from us. This idea that, yes, you need to be prepared. These are the things you need to be doing, working in preparedness, working in, working in out our salvation with fear and trembling, studying the Word of God, dumps, you know, uh, wow, diving the plumb depths of Scripture to, to, to really understand God as He's revealed Himself to us and, and be in a life of prayer. And, and But also at the same time, while we are doing that, also obey what God has commanded. In the meantime, when we understand we will never be fully prepared this side of heaven. We're always walking in preparedness and we're always out doing what the Lord's commanded. And I think that that requires us to be completely reliant upon the Spirit. And we, mm-hmm. have, a, we have a tendency... I would say not just God the Holy Spirit, but just God and gently like God. We have, it requires us to be fully and unconditionally surrendered and, and dependent upon God, and that requires us to relive, relinquish control. Keep in mind the control we think we have is only a construct of our own mind. We don't have that control that we think we do. But <laughs> um, I think that's I think that's part of the reason why we struggle so much with it. But on the idea of of preparation, and if you want to have a comment on that, you absolutely can. <laughs> but no, we can we can keep moving. That's fine. <laughs> We can be Otherwise, here. we'll be here all yeah. all day. That's fair. But when we talk about preparation, right, and we talk about the importance of studying Scripture, the importance of prayer, how, how do you select the right devotional or Bible study plan? Nate, what, any any thoughts on that? <laughs> that's that's a tough one. And I think this is why we, we've, we're going to devote a lot of time to this discussion because I think it's important because we talk about all these things, and I think as new Christians, it's important to really understand and get a, to get a foothold on what your Christian journey starts as and is going to look like. And, but as you progress through this journey and we all come through pitfalls, we just need to continue to push ourselves a little bit, right? Obviously God's going to push us and God's going to transform us. We're going to submit everything under his will, but how do we do that? Especially going to, um, going through things that are not holy scripture, if that makes sense. Like, obviously you should be studying scripture, just straight scripture, but relying on the common grace that God has given us that we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before. And there, there are, it's a long list of people that I, that I would trust, but again, submitting all their works to scripture. I think that the first thing ultimately is, I mean, don't use a devotional. That's okay. People look down on that. Like, oh, I use this devotional. I use that devotional. Devotionals are great. I love devotionals. I've been through plenty of them. I think they're a great guide. Um, they allow people to help guide you through scripture and those are good things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's okay if you want to pick up a, a one-year Bible and read that passage of scripture and kind of pray and meditate on that every day. That's also okay. There's no commentary. There's no, you're just going to read scripture every day and that's okay too. Oh, amen. My caution to reading just scripture is we don't just get to cherry pick. 
right? I would not blindly what? encourage just going through and picking verses and hey, God's gonna God's gonna show me what I need to see today. Like that's that's a little dangerous. Um, and again, some devotionals do that, and we just need to be careful of that. They're a little bit better at it than maybe the the average Christian, but at the same time, we need to be careful. And that's why I think Andrew, I'm just such a big proponent of expository preaching. We talk about going verse by verse, book by book. Is really that's how we should, we should be studying the Bible because that helps keep us grounded. It helps keeps us in context. It helps us. I mean, and we we're human. We're going to eisegete things and bias things, but it's going to help keep us a little bit more grounded and not cherry picking. So I would encourage, like, if you're going to study scripture, maybe just start in Matthew and just read the New Testament. Yeah. Right. Read a few verses every day. Read a chapter every day. Start in Matthew. Branch into the branch into Paul's epistles and Paul's letters. Branch into the general letters. Oh yeah. Um, maybe stay away from Revelation, you know, or just read it for what it's worth, because um, there's a lot of debate on that, and a lot of it's unhealthy, especially I'm sorry, what was that? for. I'm sorry. What would you say? The so maybe stay away from Revelation. Early oh, on. oh yeah, oh, that's okay, all. Gotcha. <laughs> I think um, not that Revelation doesn't have a ton of good stuff in it, but just there's some caution there that that those who. Are, it's easy to eisegete Revelation, and it's we, extremely we, easy to do we need to take it for what it's worth. So I would ground yourself in the Gospels and the Epistles where you really get a sense of who Jesus is, what Jesus did for you, his power, his sovereignty. And then really the, what the Epistles give you is kind of this really good picture of living the Christian life and what's expected and what is not tolerated and what should be further from you. And then we can go, I mean, then we can branch into the Old Testament and and maybe just start from the beginning, right? And that, that's why I do like the, I own a couple of them, the one-year Bibles where every day you get a section of New Testament, Old Testament, and then I think it's poetry. So you get like the New Testament every day. You get like New Testament, his law, or prophets. And then you get a section of poetry and or wisdom. So like Psalms, Proverbs. Ecclesiastes. And so that's, it's a nice balance, I think. And so I am a big advocate of that. And again, just praying over that scripture, you know, asking God to help you understand it, ask it how you can apply it to your life. Because all scripture is, it's beneficial for knowledge, but it, all scripture is God breathed, right? Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God breathed and useful for a boatload of things. For oh, absolutely. For everything. So not foremost just... authority. So... It's not just the Gospels or the Epistles are great, but all Scripture. I I just taught. I just finished teaching a lesson through teaching a series of lessons through Amos, and man, talk about how applicable Amos is to everyday life is scary. But you don't study it, you don't know, yeah, no. and it's you miss these things. So that's my th- first thing would be if it's not Holy Scripture right away, it better be grounded in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And there, are, so I would I would really get yourself a year a Bible and start there. That's that's my plug. Um, Cell phones these days, you can probably download apps. It'll give you a verse of the day, give you a chapter, give you Bible reading plans that kind of take you along certain paths or certain topics. And so, I very much I think I think that's good. Appreciate that. They also, again, because Scripture is centered on Christ. The, these devotionals should be centered on Christ. They shouldn't be centered on anything else. So not on my feelings, right? No, probably not. <laughs> Unless it's telling you how your feelings are need to be submitted 
at the foot of the cross and how they are uh, sub- need to be <laughs> under the authority of Scripture and under the authority of Christ, no, right? That's, that's good. No, I, if I may, while you're going through this, um, I, I like how you hit on the idea of expository preaching. Obviously, I wholeheartedly agree. That is the superior version, I believe, I would, I, I would contend. I think it's super valuable. But when you talk about the, the yearly Bible reading plan or even just picking like the book of Matthew, I would encourage maybe also starting in Genesis, like chapter one and getting the Old Testament with the New Testament. Um, if, if you're talking about just getting started, I think that's a great way to do it. But staying within the context, which is, I think Nate provided a very good warning about Revelation. The book of Revelation is a phenomenal book. But if you're not mature in your walk with scripture and you're not aware of things, it is extremely easy, even for the most seasoned Bible scholar to eisegete the revelation um, and bring things to the text that doesn't belong there or um, associate things that revelation is not talking about. So anyway, I just wanted to put that in there. I mm-hmm. think that's a good way you put that. Absolutely. But that, that, that gives us the other idea that on the flip side, there's a, probably a ton of resources out there. Unfortunately, that are heretical, problematic, and anywhere on that spectrum. And so how, one, how do we tell the difference? We use scripture, right? That's why knowing scripture is so important. Why grounding yourself there is so important. Um, the second thing, if I want if I can read a passage here out of first Timothy chapter six, verses three to four, he says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine or does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. Ouch. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Prosperity gospel much? <laughs> I was just about to say. Sorry. Ouch. I don't want to take. I don't like taking too many shots, but um, we talk about uh, cherry picking scripture and prosperity gospel, saying the guy wants me to be healthy and wealthy and all these things. I, this this really just says the opposite, right? And there are other passages that say that Christians are going to be persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Um, that's not really a, a, a optional thing. It's not really. Yeah, it's not really debatable. And that's not really. Um, prosperity um at least not earthly prosperity I mean, but it is you know I mean, receives the crown of life he who endures receives the crown of life yeah. i will say jesus even promises that we will find trouble but take heart for he has overcome the world so jesus in his earthly ministry even warns us that we will find trouble like we will be persecuted you know for all who seek to live a life of righteousness or a life in christ jesus will be perse- will suffer persecution like it's it's i know i butchered that that verse but you know that that i implied that what he's saying there is like we're we're guaranteed struggle mm-hmm. but going back to where we were about the idea of scripture and, and devotionals and, and spending that time in prayer um god can even use things that are problematic and, and lead you into the truth the spirit will guide you into truth but again he uses not just scripture like that's why you have brothers and sisters you have other people to help you that's why we're here to to give you some of these things so we can help 
through the Spirit, leads you into all truth because he's, he's leading us into all truth as well. And we want to we wanna help just as much as other people help us. We want to help you. Absolutely. Um, in 2 Timothy, I'm always, this, this whole discussion reminds me of that, is oh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul says, For there shall be a time when they will not, they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires they will heap, themselves, heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Right? It's, that's where we're, I think that's a time where we're at now. Um, and maybe we've been there for a little while, but, but everybody wants to have the hot take. Everybody wants to, especially with YouTube and the internet and you can find a teacher who tells you whatever you want to hear. I promise you that. Does that make it true? The answer is no, unfortunately it doesn't. But, and sometimes the truth is not easy to hear. So that's thing again. We just have to be careful and put us into, put ourselves under the submission of, uh, put ourselves in submission to Scripture and under the cross. Yeah, Amen. And so, I think too, just, just, I don't even want to recommend a d- devotional now. I've talked myself out of them all <laughs> because <laughs> because the Scripture just says everything you need to say. However, there are some that I really, really value. And that I have used and I don't see big problems with. Yeah. So I would I would say they are recommended, but again, use them under the submission of authority. Don't take my word for it. Yeah. Take God's word for it. Um Charles Spurgeon's morning and evening. There's the original. Uh I believe Alistair Bag and a couple others have helped update the language so it's a little bit easier to read. They have, yeah. Uh Alistair Bag has his own Truth for Life ministry. They, they put out every day. That's pieces of his sermons that you can listen to. Uh, Alistair Begg is a great teacher. I mean, they actually have a devotional that's called T- Truth for Life as well. Oh, just do. so you know, like you're right on everything you just said, but they actually have a devotional that's they, titled Truth for Life. I have not used that one. That's Andrew's recommendation. It's, it's, no, it's pretty good. I mean, and the Charles Spurgeon is also very good. I can vouch for that. And like as Nate said, as he's talking himself out of it, right, there is value, or I say value, there is benefit to these kind of devotionals. When they're, when they're grounded in Scripture, these men, Charles Spurgeon, Alistair Begg, these, guys, these men were, are dedicated. Well, Charles Spurgeon is no longer with us. He hasn't been with us ever since we've been on earth. But nonetheless, they were dedicated to God. They had, they had deep reverence and have deep reverence for God and are faithful men of the Lord. So with that, they properly highlight Scripture, and they, they, they exegete, not eisegete. So that's the one, you know disclaimer I want to put out there that uh, where it can be helpful, especially as you're learning the faith and the tenets of doctrine that can help you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also too, I, uh, I just finished uh new morning mercies by Paul David Tripp. Ooh. Uh, it's a really good one. Uh, I was, it was a gift from my parents and it was quite wonderful. And so I would recommend that on the list of, of devotionals. There's a long list of devotionals I've not read, so I can't speak to all of them. Um, I have a soft spot for my utmost for his highest yeah. by Oswald Chambers. Yeah. Uh, we need to be again submission to scripture. There are uh, sometimes you gotta be careful with that one a little bit. Um, but as a whole, I think it's a good starting point. Yeah, I, I've gone through it, and I, I do have a special place in my heart for that as well. I, have, I didn't list that originally in our recommendation section, but it, there, it, Oswald Chambers is, it was an interesting guy, and it's important to understand too that his devotional and many of his things were actually cur- curated from his lectures. So he never actually sat down to make them. They were made from his lectures. So that's part of the reason why some of them are mm-hmm. 
a little odd might or might have weird points because they were actually lectures. He could have been explaining something and they were chopped off. And also, you know, I don't know if that, but Mm -hmm. that is part of it. Also, uh, shout out to one of my professors from Liberty, Joel. I'm going to butcher name. Sorry, doctor. Uh, Dr. Joel Breidenbaugh. He wrote a devotional called The Joys of Jesus at Christmas. It's a 30 day um, Christmas devotional. Uh, Andrew and I are actually both going through it right now, it's and very good. we are almost done, even though by the time this airs, we will be done. <laughs> and honestly, it's a great, great kind of way to refocus yourself around Christmas time. Oh, yeah. It presents a great, like, full-scale picture of Christ from the prophecies to his life. Yeah. Um, to the purpose of his incarnation and the purpose of salvation and all these things, it's it's really just it's it's the center it's really the centrality of Christ at Christmas, not just the joy of Christ at Christmas. It's it's all together. Yeah. And so I very much appreciate that. It was not on our list, but I'm sitting here staring at it no, right now on the desk. No, so I really couldn't pass that one up. No, no, it's a very um, good point. But really, there's one verse that that I'm drawn to in Psalms that I think kind of sums up this this topic. Really is. Not even just how to discuss devotionals, but really how to 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 just joy yourself and prioritize yourself by the Word of God and by His purpose. Uh, Psalms twelve six says, "The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl as vileness is exalted among the children of man." And that's it, right? The words of the Lord are pure. The words of the Lord will guard us. The words of the Lord, right? Scripture calls the word of God the sword of the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And Hebrew says the, the word of God is living and active. active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, again, just start there. That's that's my biggest, I, of all the advice I've probably given and all the plugs I've made, that's the biggest one is start start with Scripture and start with it in context. Read Read chapters, read books, yeah. and just ground yourself there with prayer and meditation on that word. And let that, that's why I think too, start of day, end of day, like, that's why I like morning and evening because it's kind of two devotionals. Yeah. But like, yeah. you prior, you bookend your day, you prioritize scripture as you start your day. And really, it's going to start impacting your day as long as you let it. As long as you're taking the right attitudes, it's going to, the spirit's going to work in you and it's really going to impact your life. So I think that's that's a good way to kind of wrap this whole discussion up is just let God drive your life, right? Let God help you get to share the gospel. Let God get you to, you know, grow in holiness. Let God get you to to help you to study his word. Like it's it's you and it's God yeah. and you're both working together as all in all this. No, I, I think that's that's great, Nate. Um any any thought on this? One last p- quick point here. How should this? How should this idea, this this way we view and think about personal time and dedicate time to the study of God's word? How, how should that make us view God's word? And how should that make us view uh, like our individual time? If that makes sense, I can reword the question if you need me to. But I mean, I think we kind of summed it up already. But yeah, I mean, His word takes priority. Yep. His us studying His word, meditating on His word, should take priority of our time right I, I agree even when i'm like even when i'm talking with my wife or even when i'm playing with my kids right i'm enjoying my time with my kids but i again sh- am i maintaining 
and, and I'm not saying that I always do, but am I maintaining a spirit of prayer, a spirit of meditation on the words of God that I've read today? Am I applying them to the conversations that I'm having with people? Am I using the things that I have learned and living them out? I was just about to say that. Because that's part, that's yeah. the purpose of Scripture in general is in, in acquiring knowledge. It's not just knowledge because knowledge puffs up, but wisdom is knowledge that's really... I've not, I've not heard this equated, but wisdom, to me, wisdom is knowledge that is acted out in, in, way in a way. In a way. No, I, I get it. It's, it's applied to your life. So like all the knowledge that I gain from Scripture is worthless unless I apply it to my life, allow it to transform me as I submit to Christ and allow it to be, allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to transform me into the likeness of Christ. Yeah. If it's not doing that, if we're not applying the knowledge that we're learning, then we're lost. No, and I think that's a phenomenal. Misguided. No, I think that's a phenomenal way to put it. Um, and I would argue. I know we've had this conversation kind of in the past, and I've mentioned this, but true education and true knowledge, or say education and knowledge, are not complete if there's not application, right? That if there's not that application component, you're not really educated, and you're not really you don't really possess knowledge. Um, I think that's like the key. Not say foundation, but the apex, if you will. Me, reach the point you've mastered it. That's mastery. You're you're doing it now. Now it's applied to your life. You're doing it. Um, and I think that kind of winds our time together down quite well. Um, so today we really again we we focused on kind of as again and part one of the progression of the Christian journey. We we've talked about the, our responsibility to the corporate body. Today, I mean, and if you notice, even then we talked about individual responsibilities, and today we our focus was more on individual responsibilities. But you still can't help but bring in the corporate aspect to it. Um, and we, what we talked about today was the importance of um, being being an evangelist, having that idea of look, I, I have to go and make disciples. I, I I should be living like the return of the Lord is imminent, not like it's some far off distant thing. We should be living like that. We should be prepared. And that kind of rolled into what we talked about second, like kind of in the idea, uh, how, how do we know what to teach when, we, when we're discipling, right? How do we know what to teach? How, the, the importance of being prepared, but at the same time, the importance of while we're prepared, that we're still living obediently, right? That while we're in the, in the process of being prepared, we're also going out and making disciples. We're also going out and teaching. We're also going out and evangelizing and, and reaching and seeking the lost, seeking to follow the example of Christ that he, in his attitude and his heart toward the lost. We'll never be able to do it perfectly, but that should be our, our mindset, that, that nice dichotomy. And lastly, we t- talked about, in line with this idea of preparedness, the importance of personal Bible studies and personal devotional time and maintaining a lifestyle of prayer and, and even an attitude of prayer of looking up toward God humbly and, 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 and seeking him and seeking his guidance and his, his, um, his, his guidance and his acts and his, and his, 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 just his overall guidance. I keep saying is that guidance, but I keep going back to that, right? That he would guide your steps and, and guide you into all righteousness. Uh, as a reminder, as we as we close out, uh, if you have any questions or any comments or any anything, any any boatloads of praise for one of the hosts or both, <laughs> please reach out to Fortitude in Truth three one six at gmail dot com, and we will be happy to correspond with you there as well as if there's questions, 
you know, we can start answering some questions in our, in our close down time as well as maybe having some question and answer sh uh, shows. <clears throat> but do you have anything to add, brother, before we close? Yeah, you Thank can you. also submit prayer requests. We'd love to, to, That's pray, a phenomenal to thing, pray with yeah. you, pray for you, anything's bothering you. You don't have to get overly personal. We don't. It's not a requirement. I need the specifics. Just, if, <laughs> if you need to say, "Hey, I need, I need you to pray for me," yeah, you can. It, you can get as specific or as vague as you want. We'd be more than happy to to pray for you and whatever. Absolutely, whatever needs you have. And if it, shameless plugs, right? If we, if this is really a blessing to you, if you're really growing from this, if this is helping, kind of guide you a little bit. Praise God. Share it with somebody. Yeah, hey, that's fair. Make sure you subscribe. These shows come out weekly. I was about to say, yeah, the shows come out every week. Come out every week, but just share these. You have, if you have social media, throw throw a share out on Facebook. Because yeah. this might, if this is a blessing to you, it might be a blessing to somebody else. We know that God's God's word is going to go out and accomplish its, its purpose, and that we want to be obedient to that. We so we be a platform for that. We and we want you to be obedient to that. So if again, if you think this is a blessing, absolutely, please right. feel free to share this as a, as a valuable resource to somebody that you think might might grow from that all right yes thanks brother i appreciate that that's a, that's a very good point and yes i think that that's something that is always needed the word of god going out and our our hope and our heart in this is to be a platform where that can happen where god can use this however he see fit to achieve that amen um and as we close just a recap of our focus verse was first peter four uh one rather first peter one verses 14 through 15 and that the Bible says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Now, as we close, uh, Brother Nate, do you mind closing us in prayer? Absolutely. Father, we thank you again for this time that we've been able to spend together discussing your word and how we can learn from it and grow from it. God, I ask that you continue to bless each and everyone that hears your word and hears, hears us discuss your word, that they might be encouraged, that they might continue to grow in their walk with you, Lord God. We ask, even in our own lives, that you would help us decrease so that, that you might increase. In all these things, Lord, we, we seek to obey you. We seek to glorify you, Lord, because you deserve all the glory and honor. And it is your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. This has been this week's episode of Fortitude in Truth. We hope that you'll join us again next week for some more discussion on the progression of the Christian journey. Amen. Amen.